This is the Jordan Innovation Lab podcast. In the coming months, you will meet some of the students, teachers, and alumni who make Jordan High School such a special part of the Durham community. We hope you enjoy their stories. Well, this is Stuart Albright, and this is our first episode of the Jordan Innovation Lab podcast in person. Uh, I have Grady Dupree, Dupree Isaac with me, and we are uh, sitting between two bookshelves in a corner of the Jordan High School Library. It's a very quiet space. It's very cramped. Oh, yeah. It works pretty good here. But I'm, uh, I'm really, really fortunate to have Grady with us. Grady is our newly elected student vice president of Jordan High School. He's a senior. And uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about him and what kind of got him involved in this leadership role and kind of who he is. Um, so, yeah, so Grady, welcome. It's good to have you. Thank you, Mr. Albright. It's good to be here. Um, I'm happy to be here. It's really cool that I'm able to be a part of this podcast. You know, I never thought I'd be on one. I thought that's something like cool and famous <laughs> people get to do. But... Well, you you are definitely cool and famous. That's <laughs> great. You got, you got your headphones on right now. You're looking all professional. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's great. Um, so first off, just give me uh, tell me a little bit about your family. Well, my family is originally from New Jersey and New York. Um, they moved down here in 1992-ish to go to school. My mom and my dad met at North Carolina Central University where my mom pursued education and he pursued business. My mom has been in the education system for about 30 years. And, um, and taught at Jordan for a year, and too, And right? taught for a little while. She's been all over the place, though. She's done special education. She's taught science. She's done all the way down to elementary school. Um, but currently, she's a mentor for the district. And education has always been a huge part of my life, one of those things that is non-negotiably important, so much so that I'm actually considering pursuing it in college and beyond. So I'm grateful for the perspectives that she's given me, but... Very cool. Do you think that you'll go down the path of administration or teaching if you go that route? I don't know. I'm not even sure I would end up in the school system per se. Um, I think my goal is my pursuit of degree is uh, education and public policy. Um, so I'd be able to either do research into public policy and education. I really like the idea of being a professor. I really enjoyed taking AP research this year. I got to research some inequities that happened in Jordan and I found some results that really moved my perspective on how we see education today. Okay. Well, that's something that we'll talk a little bit more is just your role um, as an African-American man and uh, the role that that plays in who you are and uh, your decision to go into education and your role as a leader within our school and advancing equity. I'm really excited to talk more about that. First off, let's kind of take a trip down memory lane and tell me, talk about what Grady was like as a kid versus what you're Ooh. like now. How, how are you different now than you were when you were younger? Well... Thank God my voice finally dropped. I was kind of a nerd as a kid. I had always been able to speak well. That was my my big thing. I always spoke to lots of different kinds of people. I never really closed myself off. I was always pretty extroverted. At one point, it just, it didn't really go my way. I've always been a little bit seen as kind of an alien within school communities for a sense that I am an African-American man, but I'm also... One that is in AIG courses, was it was in AIG courses in elementary school and honors classes in middle school and AP and honors classes during high school. So that led my friend group to not be as diverse as I like it to be sometimes, just because that's the people that I was forced to be with. But Grady's a kid was cooler than I am now sometimes. <laughs> um, he, he used to... 
I used to do a lot of musical stuff. I have played the piano since I was three years old. Um, that's still my favorite instrument to this day, but I sing, I used to sing in a choir. I, my coolest experience was I got to go to Carnegie Hall and perform um, with a couple of choirs from around the country, including the one that I sang for here. But yeah, I think my perspective on who I am was kind of built from just living life as an African-American man or boy, not only in school, but just outside of school. My extracurriculars are always sports and music. And I was really gracious for my mom to make me a well-rounded person, but it did lead to some alienation within just school because I wasn't the stereotypical black kid that played basketball and cared about my shoes. Like that just wasn't who I was. So sometimes I did feel a little alienated. And uh, how did that like when, when do you feel like you kind of like came into your own skin, like felt comfortable in your own skin? When did that really start to happen? Hmm. The summer after my seventh grade year, my church and I took a tour of the Deep South through Georgia and Alabama and Mississippi. And we ended up in Memphis, Tennessee at the Lorraine Motel where Martin Luther King was shot on the 50th anniversary of his death. Wow. Um, this was 2018. And it on this trip, I met a lady, her name was Kim, and Kim was an angel. She taught me the value of community and just how I was not alone because of I was physically alone or felt physically alone in spaces that I participated in. She used the sun a lot as an example, just because even though the sun is in the sky we all appreciate it sometimes we forget about it sometimes we forget that it's a star that also has 300 billion counterparts in this galaxy alone um and just really helped me to emphasize that i have value but also there are seven billion other people out there with equal or greater value than i have so it really just helped to come into my skin as like i'm okay to be me i'm okay to be a black man that is smart i'm okay to be a black man that plays basketball, but I'm also okay to be a black man that sings. So not putting myself in a box really helped me to just step into who I am. And I'm gracious for Kim for that. Yeah. So when you started at Jordan as a, as a freshman, you're into this new school. Do you feel like that was put to the test or was that established enough that you kind of came into Jordan uh, kind of as a fairly fully formed, you know, personality who you are now? I'm going to say that it was not set in stone my freshman year of high school. I think I was better off than I was beforehand, but I was nowhere near where I am now. Um, that was the first time I had ever been completely alone as a person of color in a space ever. Um, I took three classes where I was the only black kid in the entire class. And that really changed my perspective on just how much I struggled. I felt like I carried the weight of a large majority of the black people in school so that if I said something dumb or did bad on the test, that all the black people were dumb. Like, that's just who it was. And I really carried that label my freshman year. And I had to I had to establish that it wasn't true. I had to establish that even though I am black in that space, that it doesn't define who I am. Um, but it also sets a precedent that for future generations, or future generations of students, even once I'm gone, that they can be in a space and have people that look like them or participate in that space. And even if they don't, thrive. Um, so I'm glad I'm not who I was freshman year. Let's be honest. That is someone we don't ever have to see again. But it was really important just from my perspective. Because even then, once COVID happened, um, that was the year that lockdown first occurred. And we just were 
like out of school. So definitely not the same person, but it did set a foundation for who I am today. So you're a part of a, a, a senior class of students who has been touched by COVID every year of your high school experience. Mm-hmm. So that was March of your freshman year, right? When we kind of went on lockdown. Yeah. So what would you describe that year of isolation? What was that like for you, the year that we were fully online? Mm-hmm. I personally really struggled with COVID. I kind of struggled with the pride of asking for help similarly to how I did my freshman year during the year before COVID. And it was a little late when I finally recognized that I could ask for help. I tried to take on a lot of really cool opportunities and I got to do a lot of really cool things during COVID, but it led to me just kind of breaking down in a way that I had never felt before and that I'd only heard about. I don't think that I had depression, but I definitely had, I went into a depressive state, I'm going to say, but it was it was rough. I I didn't personally enjoy any aspect of lockdown. I much prefer to be face to face with people, talking, interacting. Um, the screen just was cold. It didn't feel human. Um, no matter what I tried, like you could do a Zoom or you could sit seven feet apart from people and like like wear your mask and your gloves and like spray each other with Lysol every ten minutes. Like that just it didn't feel human and no, no matter what I did it just didn't work so I was really grateful when we were able to come back to school no matter I was in a mask but it just it was better than nothing so yeah COVID year was hard COVID year was really really hard did you do most of your classes from your from your bedroom or how did, how did that work for you yeah my mom and I we were both at home together because she worked for the district and she was a mentor so she had she got priority over the office because she had to have professional development all the time and she needed a space that was secluded from the rest of the house so no one could so she couldn't hear anything the dog me um so i i was in my bedroom for most of the time um i got a nice little desk off of a facebook marketplace love that <laughs> love facebook marketplace but painted it blue put it up in the corner of my room and i was really excited um for the possibility of what could happen and it just it just declined i tried moving different spaces i tried sitting at the kitchen table in the living room outside on the front porch but it just i i need a separation between my home and my school life that's mm-hmm. just personally who i am there just has to be a divide in between what i do what i do at school and what i do at home so you um you talk about how you've kind of built up this like like comfort in your own skin and that kind of goes from seventh grade starting in seventh grade when you went to memphis and that got to ninth grade did you find yourself feeling like your that was disintegrating? Did you have to kind of rebuild that when we came back to school last year? Yeah, I think I did. I think I had to rebuild and reshape the idea of what I was. Um, I think I went into freshman year with this concept like we're starting fresh. We're going to be the great high schooler that gets all 99s and above, is in 34,000 clubs, is doing this and yada, 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 yada. And I really had to shape just not my idea of I can't control it, but just I can't control what happens to not everything is about being this this great guy. Sometimes you just have to be who you are. So I think that's why I'm glad I, my perspective has changed because it was really my pride that kind of prevented me from being successful. Um, I definitely could have been more successful during that year but if i just stepped out and asked for help we would have a different conversation about that year and what do you think um what do you i I think a lot of people have said that last year was kind of a mess Mm -hmm. it was like a mess in school mess for uh, stressful for teachers stressful for students um from a from a teenager's perspective why do you feel like last year coming back from the year of online school was so hard for people 
similarly to how I had to shape and change my perspective about who I was from before COVID to after, I think we tried to go back to life as normal, but took it too literal. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried to go life back to life exactly as it was 2019, early 2020, where we did things and had this humongously large social battery, but it just was kind of drained. We had to change who we are and how we set our boundaries for each other. Because I think they have shifted. They've shifted our perspective on just what we can do, um, how much time you can spend talking to people before sometimes you just have to stop. So you're saying like a conversation that you would have had with somebody two years ago, having that similar type of a conversation, you just wouldn't have the bandwidth to be able to stay engaged for as long? Um, Not always. I think... First, when we came back, maybe, but I think we all were just so thirsty for community that we just talked to anybody and we developed toxic relationships and we really came back to life as it was beforehand. Um, We forgot how we had set our boundaries before and we just were so thirsty for any form of communication, any form of community, anybody to talk to that it just became people talking to people that didn't relate to them or people that just were exuberantly different than they were. And it's not that that's a problem for those people to talk, but these were toxic sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people struggled with how do I, how do I keep pushing through like I was beforehand? Cause freshman year, you have a lot of toxic friends. That's before you cut people off. But for me, when I came back my junior year, usually people had set in their friend groups a little bit more. They were solid. We didn't know anybody. I could probably tell you 10 people's names in the entire grade, but it really just changed. We couldn't go back to life as normal as it was. We just had to shift and change how we how we communicate, how we set our boundaries, how we live life as high school students, teachers, administrators, even people that don't work in the education system. I know for me, it was strange not seeing uh, full faces, seeing just masks of in my mm-hmm. room. And like I think about you, I didn't know what, what you looked like until April of last year in my, <laughs> yeah. in my class. And do you feel like that, like, what? why is, is, is that experience that only I shared, or did you also feel that way as well? Or like, what, what, what did that, like, why do we need to see full faces, or does that make a, an impact in the way that we relate? Well, first of all, I know a lot of people who thought they were really smiling, like, with their eyes, but they looked like they, like, they have the worst resting, like, mean <laughs> eye stare and you've ever seen. And... I think people's faces tell their story. Um, So it's hard when you're like in the hall and you're looking at people and you're smiling and they think that you're just looking at them weird. It prevented a lot of things we look for in just subtle communication. It's not things that you always say, but nonverbal communication was limited. Um, You couldn't touch people like you just it was limited in general. We had all gotten used to the like as long as our voices are okay. Like, the rest of our body doesn't matter. Our body language is off. Our, the way we presented the rest of our face was off. So it was just, it was different adjusting to life as it was before. Mm. And that was the problem. I think we all tried to go back to the way that it exactly was before way too fast. But we had we had to develop for what, in the circ- we had to develop our ways to fit the circumstance that we were in. So yeah, you were definitely not alone in that. It was really weird to look at a lot of people and then they brought their masks down and they were like, oh, yeah, like, we've been sitting next to each other every day. And I'm like, no, we haven't, because you don't look anything (laughs) like I thought you would. So, yeah, that was definitely not a singular struggle. And now let's fast forward to to this year. So, Hal, you were a month into school right now. I'm recording this on September the 23rd. How does this year feel different from last year? For me, I have 
a much easier course load. That's just for me personally. <laughs> um, so I know that the stress of that changes my perspective, but I also think that people are starting to be comfortable with who they are and who they talk to, and that people are starting to become almost friendlier than they were. They were so thriving for community that after COVID, they just went to anybody. Then they had to learn, oh, I can't just do that because those people are toxic. They dropped toxic people, but they just started being nice. Like, they stopped doing the, like, you can't hang out with us because you're yada, 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 yada. Especially if they don't know the person or if they're just too nice. Like, I haven't heard many people say, we don't talk to them. They're too nice in a long time. I used to hear that a lot. For me, right now, I think I've just seen people just living life, which is nice. Yeah, would you say that's maybe, if we can find, like, a silver lining of all this mess for COVID, do you feel like like we've had a big shakeup. What do you feel like has been, has there been any kind of positive that we can take as a society and how we act that maybe is better than pre-COVID? I think that the positives from COVID aren't necessarily that we got something good from the virus itself. I think COVID showed us the problems that we had in society and they they highlighted them. Mm. People were able to watch the media and watch how many discrepancies there are, how many people were homeless, jobless, how many people were making underwage, how many people were underpaid. National corporations starting to raise their minimum wages and people starting to form unions. I think it really pointed out that people aren't going to sit here and take it. I think it pointed out the holes in our society and it allowed them a space to come together and fill the gaps. Now, we've made a lot of reform, but we've also started to go backwards in some ways. So I think it's important that we just, we we identify where our holes really are. And instead of moving backwards, we push forward. Yeah, because this is, I mean, uh, George Floyd happens while you're on online school, like, and then and you can name 10, 15 other, like, high profile cases of right. uh, police brutality, uh, racism, like, as a black man, how do you feel like you've come to terms with the the pain of that or the the anger, uh, the inequality of what we're seeing in our society right now? Mm -hmm. I think that I've never really come to terms with it in a sense that it's not something that I'm like, oh, it happened. It's okay. We're all kumbaya now. I think that it it helped to educate a lot of people on what was truly happening in society. I think a lot of privileged, affluent white people, and especially our community, just were unaware of the problems that happened. Um, and it's not that they weren't in support of fixing them, but they just didn't recognize that their behaviors were microaggressions or that they were supporting something that was in inherently not good to fighting these battles. Um, I think it also, even across gender lines, I think we saw a huge movement of women, like women's social reform, like leave your hands off of us. How do we pr keep safe in social situations? I think we saw a lot of men learn how to respect women and how to respect their boundaries. I mean, it's still a problem, but it definitely has shifted towards just people identifying their, people identifying their biases and their personal and people identifying their personal perspectives that they just had never seen, mm -hmm. um, and identifying new perspectives that new perspectives that they could add into making the world a more valuable place. If you don't mind speaking of this, can you think of a or talk about a specific time where you feel like, um, as a black male in a public space, mm -hmm. you felt? I mean, maybe the word's not targeted, but you felt because of your skin color that you 
have been treated differently from someone who has my skin color? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of stories, but (laughs) one of the ones that is most prevalent is from when I was younger, especially, is people used to tell me that I spoke well all the time. Mm. But not that that I just spoke well, but I spoke well for a black kid. Mm. And that really angered my mom in a way that I had never seen her angered before. Because it's not about defining who I am by my race. It's not about defining who I am by... It's not about defining who I am by what culture says. I will say that I've experienced cultural biases from both perspectives, from white and black people. Um, I've been called a disgrace to my race before, um, to my face. And that really, it still haunts me, but I can sit better in the fact knowing that I'm not a disgrace because I don't do certain things that people would associate with black men. But it took a really long time to understand that, that I don't have to fit into a mold and I don't have to make other people fit into that same mold just because that's what cultural culture and society says. But yeah, that's been my biggest thing. I even to this day still get asked probably by 90% of the adults that I meet, like, do you play football? Now that I'm applying to colleges, they assume that I'm going to colleges for sports, that I can't get into good colleges just on my grades and my extracurriculars. Um, it's not the fact that I'm in the top 25% of my class and I'm taking eight APs and my SAT and ACT scores are competitive. What they look at me and think they know who I am. They think they look at me and they know my story. They know my background. And that has been one of the hardest things to deal with because that's not even something that you can be mad at people for because a lot of the times it's true. Mm-hmm. But there has to be a change in the culture that surrounds how we look at people and not just a change in one individual's mindset. And you've made this decision to run for student by president of your high school of 2,000 students, uh, which takes some guts to put yourself out there like that. Um, What made you make that decision to to do that? I personally used to feel like my voice didn't matter. I used to feel like I, no matter what I said, no matter what I did, it wasn't valid to the other people in the room, the person that was smarter, the person that had more money. um, I just couldn't add any value to anything. And I used to really hate that the leaders that were in those positions, the student body positions in middle and high school, were kind of there for the name and the title and didn't really do anything that will make a lasting impact on Jordan. Now, I understand the circumstances have been difficult. Like, during COVID, we tried. It just it didn't go as we had once planned. So I my, my goal this year is not that I rule Jordan with an iron fist. I really want to help bring up other leaders within communities, especially marginalized ones. Um, There is a huge lack of student leaders that are African-American. There's a huge lack of student leaders that are LGBTQ+. There is a huge lack of students that are Asian and um, Southern Asian and like all these other different demographics that Jordan has because it's a very diverse school, but we just don't see that. But building passion projects that surround equity, whether it's avid tutoring at a larger scale or including a gender-neutral bathroom in the Secret Service, not the Secret Service, (laughs) the Student (laughs) Services Office, it's... It's not that I want to be this leader that everyone remembers that he did all this. I want to remember, be remembered for the fact that I helped other people feel empowered. Because I feel like that will make a lasting impact on the community surrounding Jordan. And I also hate the fact I actually ended up running. I ended up running unopposed. I ended up running unopposed, and that was not great. I. It's not that I don't mind the... The, the win, like, don't be wrong, I'll take a student body position any day, but it, it felt like the school didn't, that people weren't bold enough to fight for what they they wanted. 
And I hate that feeling. I hate that there are 2,000 kids in the school and one person decided to run for student body president. There are 412 seniors, I believe. Not a single one of them wanted to decide, run for student body president besides me. So I really just want to change the culture that we have surrounding school, motivating students to get involved and feel, take pride in what they do. So let's say that you're walking around school and you see a freshman who is African-American male, six, how tall are you, 6'4"? 6'4", 6'5", yeah. 6'4", 6'5", could maybe be perceived in one way by, by how tall they are or, or what uh, the expectations should be that they're a basketball player or whatever. And you look at them and they seem uncertain in their own skin. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you say to that, that freshman who you hoped one day will become a senior who can become like a class leader? Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that you can say is just keep being bold. Be bold and be strong. Because I think you say more in what you do. I firmly believe that people learn more from people and grow more when they watch people's actions when they think they aren't being watched. Mm-hmm. I could go and shake a whole lot of PTSA ha- like parents' hands and they think that's the greatest thing ever. But the kids don't care about that. Like The people that are in the school... 40 hours a week and commit four years of their lives to this institution are not going to care if I go and say hello to a lot of moms and the administrators know my name and that kind of stuff. I think it's about just showing people it's not that hard to say good morning in the hall. It's not that hard to learn somebody's name that you don't know, or it's not that hard to just connect with someone who's different than you. So yeah, if I'm going to give a message to myself, it was just, or anyone that's developing, it's just be bold. Whatever you think is probably valid to someone, somewhere. It only takes one person, one person to hear your message and think that's a, that it's important for you to change a culture, a school, a world. And now you're, are you 17 or 18 now? I'm 17. 17. So you'll, uh, will you, when you graduate, will you still be 17 or are you? When I graduate, I'll be 18. Be 18. Yeah. So you're going to be kind of, in some ways, you could say this is a small pond going into a bigger pond, wherever that mm. school would be. Uh, do you want to go to school in-state or out-of-state or do you? I have options as multiple different places. I have something as far as Baylor on my list, but close to Chapel Hill. So it's really varies more for me based on what they offer, how they treat their students, and how the research opportunities. I really love a school with research opportunities. Um, so yeah, I close, near, far. Do you feel does the the process of leaving after being in the you've been in Durham Public Schools all eighteen years of your life? No. I went to a public school from kindergarten to third grade. I went to private school for fourth and fifth grade. Had a rough experience there. After that, I moved to middle school in Durham Public Schools, and then I went to Jordan Fry School. Did you get to Rogers Hur? Is that where you went from middle school? I went to Rogers Hur for sixth and seventh and Githens for eighth grade. Got it. Got it. That was, uh, as you think about your future and where, where you want to be, what do you hope to get out of college? Like, what, what are you most excited about? Oh, that's a great question. I think I'm excited about what's beyond college. I think I'm excited about what college can do and help me connect and help me grow for, but I'm excited that when I get to college, I'll be able to take more leadership positions with people my age. Like, it's really difficult to pour into other seniors that are 18, 17, 19 years old when you are that same age and going through that same perspective. I'll be able to learn more about and dive deeper into comprehensive education that's around race and culture and gender and sexuality. I'll be able to dive deeper into tap into research funds. Um, While Jordan's a great place, everything that we do here is free. (laughs) Um, But 
being able to expand research concepts or um, help students on a large scale level is what I'm I'm really excited for that. I'm excited to just grow. I don't know what that means necessarily, but I think I'm excited to change and develop. I think if we stay the same for too long, then we become boring. And, we, and, then, what, and then what are you scared about? Like, what are you scared about when you think about leaving kind of this, let's say, a protected, you know, mm-hmm. network that is your high school? But I mean, you're kind of going out on your own. What what most makes you nervous about that? It's uncomfortable. Um, I'll be leaving home for the first time. I'll be without my mom, who's been the only person that is consistently there for all 18 years or 17 years of my life so far um and that's scary but i think that fear isn't something to shy away from i'm ex i'm scared that i don't know what's going to happen i don't know if i'm going to have a good or a creepy roommate that's doing weird stuff and watching me in my sleep i don't know if i'm going to have professors that actually care about my well-being and my future and i don't know if i'm going to get what i expect so, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but uncomfortable isn't always bad. So you got about six or seven. I'm sure you've, you haven't started the countdown yet until you graduate. I know some seniors start this, like, way early on here. Not quite. Give okay. me till like, after December 31st when I submit my last application, and then, you'll probably then we'll get talk. That. So six or seven months, roughly. When you walk across that stage and you graduate, this is, I guess, kind of my last question. Like, what, what, and you're looking back on your high school experience, if you could say one thing that you hope you could say like i'm happy that Mm -hmm. x happened while i was here at jordan high school my senior year Mm -hmm. i'm happy that i was that i was the person that got put in uncomfortable situations so that other people didn't have to for example when i went i was one of three black people that took ap hug my freshman year of high school but now there's four sections of it and there's over 15 or 16 kids within those classes and that's a huge improvement from when it was during my time. Now, it's not ideal because it's not, it doesn't reflect the demographics of the school, but it's still a step in the right direction. I'm glad that I was able to participate in things like protest for women's rights or just advocate for other people in ways that I would have never experienced if I had gone to another school. Um, Jordan's a really cool place. A lot of cool things happen, and I look back on my years and I just kind of think, I've grown and changed a lot, but that's through teachers like you or Mr. Bernhard that just have walked with me and not necessarily tried to push me in a direction, but just met me where I was and helped me to grow and develop and see that the world isn't one-sided. The Jordan Innovation Lab podcast is made possible by donor support. Visit us at jordaninnovationlab.com to learn more about the books, podcasts, and documentary films that make up our program. We're always looking for new ideas, and we appreciate your support.